Hey, real quick, a quick word of thanks to today's sponsor, Vertex Innovations, before we get started. For over 17 years, Vertex has been building the nation's wireless and broadband networks. Providing project management, network engineering, and construction oversight are just some of the ways Vertex helps their clients. So if you're looking for more of a partner to help you with your wireless network designs, construction, implementation, or operations, reach out to Vertex. You can find them at vertex-us.com. That's V-E-R-T-E-X-U-S.com. Welcome to the 5G Guys podcast, the premier resource for industry insiders and newcomers alike to explore anything and everything wireless telecommunication. We discuss, explain, and explore all things wireless technology. So let's dive right in. Welcome your host, Dan McVaugh and Wayne Smith. Welcome back for another episode of the 5G Guys. I'm Wayne Smith, joined by my co-host, Dan McVaugh. Hey, everyone. Thanks for uh, joining us again. Welcome back, and thanks for listening. Um, Today, we're going to talk about the cellular carriers in the United States and their market fundamentals. We uh, want to talk a little bit about how they make money today versus how they used to in the past, um, how they're standing in the market compares to other tech companies uh, that are out there, and maybe a little bit about our predictions for how that might look in the future. Um, I was thinking, Wayne, you have a really good story. I think it's a good way to kick this off. It was a story of back in the day when you had your first bag phone or car phone in the 1G days. And and uh, I think it's just a great story. So maybe you kick us off, tell us that story, and that'll help, help us kind of talk to how business was done in the past. Yeah, so I, I know exactly what you're talking about. It is a great one. And so in early in my career, I um, was a superintendent for general contract. Um, I was a, a civil foundation kind of guy and built this for different buildings. And so we had a project. I was back in Virginia. Um, the project was in Charlottesville, Virginia, and I was building this huge foundation for like a Home Depot or Lowe's type store. And so as part of that, you know, my boss, he's like, hey, Wayne, you need, I'm going to give you this bag phone. And this is your, my first phone. And it was in the truck. And um, what's amazing about it was, so I go out, I'm, I'm working remote, you know, um, and I laid out the foundation. And I had this cell phone that I was able to coordinate my country, concrete deliveries, coordinate my material. Del- it changed the workforce and how we did that project. In the old days, I'd had to run down to a payphone, find a landline. But since this was new construction, there was nothing around. It would have been difficult. And so a funny thing about that phone was, all right, I'm feeling pretty proud. I have a bag phone. I am getting my stuff done. And then on the way back from Charlottesville, I had this idea. I'm like, hey, I should start calling my buddies and see what's going on. Not just one of them. I thought I'd call everybody that I knew. (laughs) So as I cruised down Interstate 81 back to Salem, Virginia, where I was from, it's about, you know, almost a three-hour drive. Well, I'm talking to my mom, my brother, you know, my buddies. And a funny thing about the experience, uh, I didn't realize they charge for every minute. And that that many minutes back in those days equated a giant phone bill. So things are doing great. I did that project finished up. Well, you know, in those days, the bill came due the next month and my boss lit me up he he <laughs> he was a screamer a yeller back in the day you know how those old guys were and he 
he was like, you know, your bill was $1,300 a month. I mean, $1,300 last month. What did you do? And so I had to fess up, you know, I got on that bag phone as I cruised down that interstate and I talked, talked like it was normal. That was really a thing for me that changed my life and where technology was going. It really did. It, it, that was one of the breakthroughs in construction that made the job site more profitable, easier to deal with and scheduling. So, yeah, that's my bill. I mean, you know, it was giant. It was in the thousands. Uh, he wasn't prepared for it. And I learned my lesson only to use the phone for work. <laughs> so that, that's my story, you know, on my bag phone. And But it did revolutionize how we built yeah. things. And as we built things across rural Virginia and North Carolina, and, yeah, that's how what we use. And I, I love the story because it's, it's really a great jumping off, <clears throat> excuse me, how the industry started in terms of the business fundamentals of the cellular carriers, right? It was basically you were paying for accessing the paying per minute for using your phone, you were paying for roaming outside of your home network, right? Like Salem was probably your home network. And if you traveled far enough outside of there, you had to pay additional service rate. Mm-hmm. Um, if you dialed long distance, you had to pay an additional premium per minute for long distance. So if you're roaming and you're calling your mom halfway across the country, triple hit, right? Yeah, I did. And I, and I, <laughs> I, I, call, I call it the slack for it. But it revolutionized how we did business. Yeah, yeah. So so that really, you know, back in the, the original days of cellular, that was the foundation of their business model. That's how they made money was just selling their network, selling access to their network on a per unit basis, typically per minute. Uh, and, and then, you know, as things progressed to like, you know, 2G days, then they did the same thing for text messaging, right? Chargeage. Um you, they charge you a premium for added features like voicemail, three-way calling. Um, if you did a three-way call, you got charged double the minutes sometimes because you were doing minutes to one person, another person. Um, you know, it was that's the way that the industry started, and um, and you know, it was fundamentally pretty straightforward, right? Yeah, that's how they did it. You, one thing that you just brought to mind: what we used to do was. I had a pager and the pager was the initiation of using the bag phone. Mm-hmm. Right. We, we, that's how we communicated. You know, if I got a page on my pager, I would then go get on my cellular phone and call. I, they wouldn't call into me and I didn't expect calls in. I did get paged in. And then from the page in, we would go back out and make our calls. But yeah, yeah it's, it's another little caveat. We were doing two communicating communication devices at that time. Right, right. And and part of what also drove the business back then was, you know, if you bought a phone, the phone could break and you'd go into the store and they literally had a technician that worked in the back that would literally repair your phone, right? It was like totally different. Um, and, and, you know, the, there was a big expense for the carriers to have that store with the technicians that worked in the store and they would install the car phone in your car if you happen to have a car phone and things like that. Um, so that, that was really have, um, your phone, you didn't, you didn't get free phones for sensor. Right. Um, and so I think what you're touching on a little bit with the pager was it speaks a little bit to the, the audience, right? Their customers were not the same customer dramatically different yeah you know the customers were you know i think the first rollout and i was probably the i was one of the first people that i knew who had a phone it was used in a specific purpose 
mm-hmm. both by you know both receiving information in and getting information out are productive. Right. And it was, you know, less than 10% of the population had a phone. Very small yeah. percentage. Typically, it was either a luxury or a business thing. It wasn't a consumer thing, right? Yeah. And to date me, I think this time frame was for, for me, I think I got my first one in 90 or 1991. You know, early in the adoption of the wireless technology mm-hmm. and doing the bag phone. It was Motorola, mm-hmm. I, I remember. And that equipment was really robust. Yeah. It wasn't easily damaged, you know. I mean, it was, you could do, I mean, put it through heck and still it would be there and perform. <laughs> that, that reminds me of a funny story. I remember we were out um, having beers after work one day early in my career, a bunch of engineers, and we had two field techs that one of them had the brand new Nokia phone. It was like right when Nokia brought phones out to the U.S. Before then, everybody had a Motorola. And they were arguing whose phone was better, Nokia or the Motorola. So we were at this this restaurant bar so they go in the kitchen and they throw both their phones in the microwave and turn the microwave on for 30 seconds and then take it out to see whose phone still work. And the Nokia was freaking dead. <laughs> the Motorola still wow. worked. <laughs> That's crazy. I don't yeah, know if I ever done anything that crazy, but I did put them through the dirt pile. That's for sure. Yeah. And then I think one other big difference back then, and we touched on this on you know earlier episode beginning of last season was... It was a duopoly market, right? You had two choices in the market. You had whoever the incumbent landline company was, right? The the mm-hmm. the Bell operator, and then you had, for all te- effective purposes, Cellular One. That was it. You had two companies, so there wasn't a lot of price either, right? Yeah, and I, I can't even remember who it was at the time uh, in that area. You know, that was a predominantly Bell South uh, Arbach environment. So whoever they brought in, whether it was Edge or one of the other, you know, big startups, but it did work and it was effective. It's, yeah. it's crazy looking at it right now. Yeah. So then, so then fast forward, we get to the mid nineties, the FCC realizes, Hey, this thing can be more for the common consumer. They auctioned off a bunch of spectrum at the time. It was called PCS, personal communication services. And when they did that, it opened up the potential to have upwards of six carriers in every market. So it broke the duopoly. Um, it really changed the focus to consumer focused. It made it nationwide, right? So you didn't have home network and roaming network. It was a nationwide network. So you could use it for the same price anywhere you went. Long distance became free. It's just an included feature. All the other features were included. So it sort of shifted more towards what we have today, not exactly, but closer to it was still pet price per minute, but it was pretty much a flat rate. You didn't get charged premiums for a lot of that stuff. And then eventually it got to where they were starting to look at, you know, all you could eat as well. But they were that was the introduction of really small data and you started paying for data at that point, right? Yeah, I'm like the whole purpose of the phone was to re- get rid of the cord from home, be able to take a mobile with you and just have voice conversations that had quality enough to maintain a conversation. I mean, mm-hmm. that was the goal, the goal mm-hmm. in those days. Right, right. And then we get to 2007. It's kind of a magical day in the history of cellular, right? And you have a, you have mm-hmm. a great story around this as well, right? Apple yeah. releases the first iPhone and it's exclusive to AT&T. Nobody else can get an iPhone other than AT&T customers. Yep. Uh, challenging story. <laughs> so we at Vertex, you know, our company, we we did a lot of work and we started in the early 2000s with a brand new company called Verizon. And even in the early days, they required that we use Verizon wireless phones. And so 
I had a Verizon phone, but I really wanted the iPhone. <laughs> you know, I think I had got an iPad, one of the first iPods, and I just love that technology and that user. So I was a two phone person for multiple <laughs> years. And the main reason was so that I could, and I even think early days, if you do you remember, like in the Verizon of the world, we actually used our mobiles to get into different applications that they did to access their cell sites or do, you know, there was a, it was a purpose for being a vendor and having them. And I always carry two cell phones for years. I still have two cell phones. I will confess I'm only on one carrier now and you don't have to guess who, but I still have two phones. I am a two phone person, which <laughs> my wife asked me, what are you doing a second life with your second phone? It's actually now just two iPhones mirrored that I know that I have you know, reliable, because I have been known to drop a phone, drop it in the water, go snorkeling with it and do things with it that it's just not designed to do and need that backup phone. But I'm a two phone person. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So, but, but I mean, that was historic, right? Because when Apple t released the iPhone, it changed what cellular service was about. It changed that device in your pocket from being a phone to being a computer. Mm -hmm. Right. And I mean, it crushed AT&T's network. I mean, people all of a sudden were just like, this is awesome. They're downloading music from iTunes because it's like an iPod. Right. Yeah, yeah. And and then this is when video started to be used. And I think it wasn't too long after that FaceTime. And it was around 2011 or 12 FaceTime happened. It really changed the dynamic of of, of what cellular was about. What followed up from that? You have to remember, we still had four, five, six carriers in every market. So it's hyper competitive. Everybody's fighting for the customer. So it drove no more contracts, flat rate mm -hmm. pricing. At the same time, the FCC comes out with number portability, which meant if you want to switch carriers, by law, they have to release the phone number. That phone number now belongs to you. Prior to this, the, the phone number belonged to the carrier. If you left, but say goodbye to your old number. You got to get a new number. FCC and, got rid of that, right? Yeah. And I do think uh, in 2007, when the iPhone came, it it began the race of the two big carriers, Verizon and AT&T, who could build. The, I mean, after that, the amount of capital poured into constructing the infrastructure that we have today. I mean, it really ramped up in those years after that. And then consolidation of the carriers that you're speaking right. started well, started happening. Well, and you know, I'll honestly, I'll, I'll actually disagree a little bit with you. For example, you know, you know who had the most subscribers in Miami back in those days? Cricket. Cricket was oh. Cricket was kicking everybody's butt. Like they had the most subscribers in Miami of any carrier. So there was these pockets of these competitive yeah. carriers that were kicking the big guys' asses. It, it actually was pretty cool in a lot of ways because there was some markets where the big guys weren't the best and they weren't always like the go-to. But you had to be able to roam when you left your market. So all of a sudden, if you went somewhere that Cricket didn't have service, you were kind of screwed. Yeah, and I think for me in my career, since we you know remote manage multiple states, having dual phones, using them in all these rural markets across the U.S., I was probably a good power user to tell you where I got coverage <laughs> and ones that worked. I mean, I think over the period of time, I have used the big four, Sprint, T-Mobile, 
Verizon and AT&T mm-hmm. and carried two for numerous years, at least 10 or 15 years where I had two, two phones and two carriers. And sometimes, you know, I mean, it just depended on the market and the mm-hmm. spectrum they had back in those days, whether who was best. Yeah. yeah. You know, but, and so this is going on in the cellular industry yeah. and at the same time, what else is going on? The internet's exploding, right? Mm-hmm. Personal computers are exploding. Everybody's got a personal computer. So you have all of these technologies that are sort of growing at the same time and converging to play off each other. And what happens? The birth of what's known now as the Fab Five, right? Yeah, which is which is a whole nother podcast. Right. But Apple, Google, Microsoft, Amazon, Facebook, these guys explode, right? I mean, we're talking about these five companies alone, the end of last year were worth what they were worth like ten billion dollars. Trillion. Ten trillion, excuse me. I'm off by a factor of a thousand. <laughs> Ten trillion dollars alone. Compared to the Fab Five in telecommunications, that same end of last year, ATT, Verizon, T Mobile, Comcast, and Charter, a tenth of that, they're worth less than a trillion dollars. Right? Yeah. And for me, you know, I always thought that that those guys had it lucky. I mean, they do. The the Fab Five. They went into where we were actually building the infrastructure for them to create on. Mm-hmm. But remind me towards the end, I'll, you know, when you talk about the future, I'm kind of seeing the next evolution of the Fab Five. Now, they'll still be them, but it'll be someone else based on some things about 5G and where we're going in the mm-hmm. world. Okay. Yeah, we'll touch on that. We'll touch on that. But I think what this did, though, is wireless became a huge enabler at this point to the companies like the Fab Five, two technology companies. With wireless, they were able to reach, Google's able to reach people no matter where they're at all the time. Facebook, right? I mean, Facebook's, people don't use Facebook on their computer. They use it on their phone, right? Completely changed the the role that wireless had in our lives and in business. Oh, yeah, like it's just, it's it's crazy. And the demand to build a better, resilient network to deal with this data flow at those times mm-hmm. is what drove a lot of the economy of, you know, for us in the infrastructure world of trying to build that network that would support this amount of users, mm-hmm. that amount of data flow in all of these other companies. And they did. I mean, those companies yeah. revolutionized the wireless industry. Right. So what did, what happened was up until this point, the carriers were selling their network, right? They're monetizing their network. You're buying minutes, you're buying bits, you're buying whatever off of our network. You're paying for ringtones, but whatever the case might be. But now you had this fab five that was like, Hey, we want people using what we have to offer, regardless of what carrier they're on. We don't want our customers to even care or know if they're on T-Mobile, Sprint, Verizon, AT&T, Cricket, whatever. And so you started having this almost where we're at today, which is Apple, Google. They don't want you as a consumer to change the way you behave with regard to buying their products or you being their product based on which carrier you're on. And so they really are now starting to move to where we're at today. Apple's selling unlocked phones now. You buy a phone directly from Apple. Apple, you don't get it from your carrier. You can use it with any carrier you want. And heck, they, they've even there's even rumor right now that they're going to start 
doing monthly equipment plans, just like the carriers do. Buy an iPhone, $1,300 for a new iPhone 14 and pay them a monthly fee instead of having to pay it, buy it outright. Google, same thing. They're reselling T-Mobile's network, but they're selling a product. You buy your cell phone service from Google. Xfinity, same thing. Buy your cell phone service from Xfinity. Now it's using Verizon's network, but Comcast won't tell you that. Um, if you ask, no to ask, they'll tell you. But as far as half their customers know, Comcast has their own network, but but they don't. So that's really changed the way things are going. And in response, the carriers are like, they've shifted to where now they're becoming more content providers. They're not selling minutes. They're not selling bits. They're selling free HBO Max if you sign up for AT&T or free Disney Plus if you sign up for Verizon or Netflix, you know, so it's really changed a lot. And that dynamic between the Fab Five and the Big Five in telecom is really interesting to watch. Yeah. I mean, you know, to your point, I'm an unlocked phone guy. I've been buying them for years. They weren't easy to get, but now it's pretty much mainstream to go in there and get it, you know, fit, uh, switch your SIM card. It's, it's, it's amazing. I do wonder how that as these Fab Five continue to roll out content because they're content providers, whether it's shopping, movie, search, whatever it is that they do, you know, connection, how the carriers can get enough capital as wireless technology becomes a commodity to continue to build this great network for these people to leverage. Right. You know, I mean, you know, how, do, how does that model work? Do these, do one of these giant, trillion dollar companies suck up one of these carriers so that they can be the one and all. I wouldn't be surprised if it happened, if, if, you know, the regulation allowed them to do that. I was going to say absent of, you know, the federal trade commission stepping in it and not allowing it to happen, it would absolutely happen. I mean, you know, with, with an Apple making 10, 10 times the amount of revenue a year of one of these carriers, it, it would be like a no brainer for them to do that. But then again, you know, they don't want their customer base to be dependent on which network that customer uses either. So it'll be really interesting to see. But if I had to hedge my bets, you know, it's more of an uphill battle for the telecom guys than the than the Fab Five, just pure, pure, purely on numbers, right? I mean, it's it's a fight for Verizon and AT&T and T-Mobile to, and now, you know, new market, market entrance dish. That's going to be interesting to see, like... If Dish is even going to get off the ground, let alone survive. No, I, I agree. I mean, from what I've been reading the last few weeks, AT and T, and I think AT and T and Verizon both tried to be content providers, and they had acquisitions, whether it was Yahoo or Time Warner, you know. And Verizon's pretty much divested theirs, and now AT and T, I think, fully divested all of their media purchases in the last month or so, and you know they have a really big uphill climb to get out uh, and get be competitive in the providing wireless service. T-Mobile, on the other hand, this, the, this seems like the Sprint merger really helped them by getting bandwidth in their deployment strategy. seems like they're pretty strong at the moment. And, you know, they ebb and flow, and we do need to see that between the networks in order to get a better consumer product, I would argue. So it is good to see, but man, they're, they're still climbing uphill. I think they're all trying to figure out how what this 5G means for them in their customer acquisition models and subscriber models, can they can still continue to spend billions a year? I mean, think, Dan, in our time, how many billions of dollars have those guys spent? Just the three or four major 
every year for 10 or 15 years. Mm-hmm. It's insane. It's like 60, 70 billion dollars a year mm-hmm. for 10 years or better. Mm-hmm. This is crazy. Right. But yet the consumer is the real winner here though, right? Our, yeah. our price has continued to go down. Now, granted, the price of handsets has gone up the last eight, 10 years and they're not, a, they're not subsidized like they used to be. It used to be you get your phone for free. You sign a two-year contract so they can make their money back on, you know, they bought the phone for you. You know, now we, you kind of have to buy the phone or you can do the, the monthly pay it off. And if, if you leave before you pay it off, you got to pay the balance. But that's changed a lot. But, but really, we've been the winners. We're getting free Netflix or we're getting free this or free that. And as consumers, we're the big winners in, in this hyper-competitiveness. And um, I, I think that's going to still be the case for the consumer down the road. It's just a matter of it's more confusing for the consumer to choose, right? Yeah. And it depends on, you know, uh, I think with what's happened the last couple of years in the pandemic type atmosphere, it's easier to choose. Mm-hmm. In a super mobile environment in the U.S. where people are traveling all the time and do that, it's it's harder to choose because you got to choose something that fits that business need or that personal travel need in all these remote locations. And all of them are really darn good. I think one of the points that I was speaking of earlier that you bring up. So when we think back to that 1997, whenever that 96, when the Fab Five were created in that time frame, those companies sit back here and said, how do we leverage this technology called wireless? Right. Right now at 5G, I think the carriers, even though they're putting capital infrastructure, you know, to build the infrastructure, they need those set of companies to create value for the consumer on that type of high-speed network mm-hmm. to get value out of. So we can, fa- I don't know how many years is that, say 13, 13, 14 years. We're now at a 13 point or 14 year inflection where we need people to create. We need the creators of the world. How do you maximize what 5G is mm-hmm. to continue to make it better for the consumer? We don't right. want the Fab Five to monopolize the next 15 years. Right. We want to have something that's better for us. And right. I think that's where the carriers, from what I heard in my discussions, they're looking for that creativity and that creativity of how do you maximize a high-speed fiber, I mean, um, 5G network like what we're, they're creating today. Yeah. And, and we've talked about this in some past episodes with regard to private networks, that great idea, that unicorn idea may not be consumer focused, right? It might, it might be behind the scenes focused. It might be industry 4.0 focus or uh, transportation focus, which may not be as evident to the consumer, but it's sure going to improve the consumer's life in an indirect manner. So it's going to be really fun to watch to see what happens. I think the other thing I wanted to also point out that's really unique right now is the telecom five are sort of duking it out with each other instead of focusing on like fighting the threat that the fab five present. So, right. You've got the cellular providers are going to use 5g to try to tap into broadband of the home to compete with the cable providers that are already providing broadband of the home. The cable providers are reselling cellular service as a bundle and taking customers away. I know people that have left Verizon for Xfinity once they found out Xfinity had Verizon. Now, granted, it's not as good of service because it's 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 a rate limited when you're with Xfinity. Um, but having said that, like they're duking it out with each other instead of like collectively figuring out how do they like survive collectively against the threat that the fab five brings. 
Super great point. Yeah, it's 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 a truly a reflection point. I did hear a friend of mine, you know, um, not to disclose too much, works for Comcast. They're super excited about 10 gig to your home. Mm-hmm. Right. That and now they have this MVNO network, which we should do a podcast on to explain to people what MVNOs are. Yeah. To understand that model. Um, think Ryan Reynolds and his and mm-hmm. all these other guys. But I it's definitely it's been it's great to talk about it and try to bring some light. And I hope hopefully it helps all of our listeners get a better understanding of the marketplace dynamics that's going on, whether it's in your purview or not. But this is happening in today's world. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, um, thanks, thanks, thanks for, uh, for sharing your stories. You got great stories that kind of help explain this. And, uh, I hope everybody benefited from, from, uh, Wayne and I's experience on how the industry has worked historically and where it's going. Uh, as always, uh, check us out on, uh, 5gguys.com. Love to hear your feedback. Love to hear your uh, ideas for future episodes. And, uh, until next time, thanks for listening and be well. Peace. Take care. Thanks for listening to the 5G Guys. For more resources and to connect with Dan and Wayne, check out their website at 5GGuys.com. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit that follow button and share this episode with your friends and family. 